Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gondeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department Chief Information Officer. Gondeep, welcome to the program. This is the first time. I'm very excited to have you here. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm excited as well. There's a ton to talk about. Labor Department is doing some excellent work. Uh, every time I go somewhere and I say, people talk about my show, Ask the CIO, and they say, sure. who have you had on? I say, this person, that person. They said, have you had labor? I said, I keep trying. <laughs> but here we are because you guys have a great story to tell. So yeah. let's just start at the beginning. I remember talking to some of your predecessors, and there's been a big struggle with modernization, technology modernization. You seem to have done something. You seem to have found the magic dust, the fairy dust to get it right. Talk about where you are and, and how much progress you've been making over the last few years. Over the last three to four years, uh, what labor has been uh, uh, able to do is try and build a modernization story. And you've sort of divided this into two pieces, right? One is around the basic commodities of IT, right? For instance, this building three years ago didn't have any Wi-Fi. Okay, so, you know, I, I remember my daughter, I asked her to come to, to work with me, and she said, do you have Wi-Fi? And I said, <laughs> no. She said, where do you work kind of thing, right? So we focused a lot. We had eight-year-old laptops. We had all of this debt that we had uh, from a technology perspective. And I feel like, you know, you cannot talk about uh, modernizing applications, mission work. You can't talk about eating healthy on an empty stomach. Right, so we really focused for the first year I was here on the commodities of IT, and then the other piece was around modernizing applications and making sure that the citizen-facing services uh, are are improved. So on the on the commodity side, I think what the always the challenge is resources, right? So we brought in a little bit of innovation to create the resources that were required. For instance, it, it, we took some very seemingly tactical uh, steps like introduced leasing for our laptops, right? But suddenly, something that was not affordable, we upgraded our entire fleet of 20,000 laptops across the nation, right, in one go. And we are all Windows 10 on the right version, improved the security posture. The other thing that is strategic in such a small uh, decision here is the fact that we have now permanently baked a four-year cycle into our, our laptop refresh program, right? So it's something that will last forever because otherwise it was always a, should I invest in people, should I invest in furniture, or should I invest in technology? And that is a, a big uh, forward leap and has increased our, our reach on that front. On the application front, what we did was we created what we call as the platform, um, and it has the, some of the basic components of technology. Obviously, it's on the cloud. It's expandable. Uh, it's got Appian and a bunch of tools, Tableau and other things that we put together. And then we started churning out every time we got a, a requirement. For example, the current administration said we want to do a lot on apprenticeship. It became a priority for the president. And our secretary said uh, we will create apprenticeship.gov, which is one-stop shop for uh, all things apprenticeship, right? So we used the platform to churn that out. There is this, we always talk about temp labor, uh, H-1B, H-2A, H-2B programs. So I don't know if you are aware of that, but all of those programs begin at the Department of Labor doing the labor certification. And that labor certification was printed on a currency paper, 
and sent back to the employers and always landed up with at USCIS, right? So it was so predictable, but we imported this this paper from North a North African country and printed all of that, and it was susceptible to weather. So the temp worker who's to come for 90 days, can you imagine a, a week of delay just because of a snowstorm in our Chicago processing center, right? So we went to the Technology Modernization Fund, right, which is the Department of Labor was not on the on the map, so to speak, and they awarded us uh, money to go and eliminate that paper labor certification. So the great news I have to share on that front is now we have electronic labor certifications being issued out of Department of Labor that uh, go to the employer just like a boarding pass uh, arrives, and we have eliminated all of that cost. All of that came out of the rend- uh, rendition of that plumbing called the platform that we created, right? BLS wanted to do a mobile app. We said, okay. We, so we created a mobile app to share the, and it is available on, on uh, the Apple uh, App Store now and other places. So one side we tackled commodities to make the internal productivity of our employees better. And then the, on the other side, we created a long list of legacy applications, and we are going through one at a time. But as we are going up about modernizing these applications, we are putting them on the same plumbing, because that is the one mistake that traditionally people do is fragment their data and, and fragment it into multiple siloed systems. So we don't want to silo them. Now, there are certain places where you have to silo them by regulation, uh, but that that's the, the way, the approach we are modernizing. All right. There's a lot to dig out there. Let me start with the commodity side. Sure. The leasing of laptops, generally speaking, the government is sometimes hot and cold on, on that concept. Sure. Do they want to do it? Are they going to put themselves in a position where they're going to have 80 laptops in a back room somewhere because they lease too many because they told the vendor, we need 20,000. Now you only need 21,920. Mm-hmm. How'd you walk me through the the concept around that and how you kind of sold that up the chain? One of the problems was that we had uh, different appropriations. So we have have 28 sub-agencies under the Department of Labor, right? MSHA, OSHA, EBSA, um, uh, Wage and Hour, ETA. And all of them are at a different level of appropriations every year depending on, right? So usually there are haves and then there are have-nots, right? but a laptop is a basic resource. I remember when I joined, somebody walked into my office here and threw their laptop on my desk and said, today I have to take vacation because your laptop doesn't work. And I thought, that's how integral we are to our mission areas, right? So this is not any more an optional thing that I can, I can exist with for a couple of days, right? So that was one thing. Let me jump in. Is that because desktops had gone away and that person only had a laptop? There are no desktops. So we've completely gone to laptops because we need mobility. People are moving around this building. Uh, Most of our uh, uh, enforcement workforce, et cetera, are all in the field. So it was only laptops. So when their laptop no longer worked, they're they're out of, uh, dead in the water, right? Right. So I think that that was the uh, uh, way I went about talking. And then it is usually a one-year appropriation, right? So how do you actually make this happen? And what we did was, so so two big complaints. I I have one-year appropriation, and 
these laptops are way more expensive than when I go to buy Best Buy, right? So those were the two big complaints I had. So we said, okay, we will utilize our working capital fund. You will contribute based on your usage, right? And we put a contract together where it's just-in-time ordering with Dell. We were the first to set up a direct connect with them. So we have this cap goal six where you want to move uh, people from low-value work to high-value work. Well, I had a bunch of people doing uh, the, the imaging for these desktops. Uh, sorry, laptops. And so now we have a direct connect, and soon all our laptop will come pre-imaged. So you open the box, it straight away goes to the location, and then you go from there. So we've used the Working Capital Fund to sort of make it the leasing viable on one side, right? And then the other aspect of this was making it, uh, uh, well, it becomes more expensive than Best Buy, right? So now we came up with a contract, and this is all with our procurement, to that every time a newer model comes in, we either get the newer model at the same price as our previous one, or we get a discount on the previous one. Just like, you know, iPhone 11 comes out and 10 uh, gets cheaper kind of uh, mentality. So all of that innovation we brought. And then from a cybersecurity perspective, we took a major advancement, right? We had so many versions of 7, so much unauthorized uh, uh, software out there because it, it, it grows over a period of time, right? Eight, 10-year-old laptops. Uh, the versions had changed and things like that. So it allowed us to improve our cybersecurity posture in one swoop, bringing affordability, bringing modern utility, and then we rolled out digital signatures, OneDrive, all of these productivity tools that improve uh, the ability for our workforce. You mentioned the Working Capital Fund. I know labor is one of the handful that had asked for authorities and maybe even received authorities through the the Modernizing Government Technology Act. Mm -hmm. But this is a different working capital fund. This is one you guys had had previously. So that is correct. We utilized, but after we got the authorities for through the uh, MGTA, we were sort of a little bit ahead. We had done the pre-work. Me, our, our CFO, and the budget office had already planned how we will create a partition within that working capital fund that will be focused on IT. And in fact, we've we received authorities to start trapping expiring funds into that working capital fund for IT modernization last year, right? So that was a, a seismic movement forward for us. And that's why we've, we, we were the first to receive an A grade on the Fatara MGT as well. And we've continued to maintain that, that A grade while using it very effectively in order to fund these, uh, uh, these modernization uh, projects. On the other side of the coin, and you went through the mission side a little bit, and you created basically the rules of the road. You said, mm -hmm. if you're going to do a mission app, stay in between these two guardrails. Mm -hmm. Walk me through that process a little bit, too, because it's easy for the mission people to say, well, yeah, they want me to use pick your cloud vendor. I'm going to use this other one because that's who I am comfortable with. Walk me how you set up those guard, guardrails, and, and what, what did they include, and because that's a key way to get get labor to move in the same direction toward modernization? The one uh, a good thing is that uh, all our infrastructure is consolidated and centralized. We have also undertaken a shared services initiative under uh, our DEPSEC Pazala and, and Assistant Secretary Slater to move to a single entity in, in, the, in all the mission uh, IT would move into that over a period of time as well. But meanwhile, since we control the infrastructure, 
what we tried to do was rather than telling everybody that there is only one round peg and we will fit it into a square hole, what we did was we took AWS, we took Azure, we took our data center and built a, a hybrid cloud offering that was provided to all sub-agencies. And within that, what are the do's and don'ts? So we provided enough flexibility to them so that they are able to create applications that are mission-specific. And that is the, the place where they came and, and started playing with us, right? And then on, on the shared services front now, success breeds more of that over a period of time. So when people hear about OFLCs, our Office of Foreign Labor Certifications, uh, you know, eliminating the uh, labor cert, they hear about wage and hour modernizing on the platform. Office of uh, Federal uh, Contract Compliance Programs, OFCCP, has gone completely electronic on that, on that new platform that I was talking about. So when you hear those success stories, and on the other side you have the flexible way of doing business, people usually play. And that's been our mantra of having that relationship. And then we've been able to get some of these flexibilities that affords this department IT resources that we potentially never had in the past. We have to take a break. My guest is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department's Chief Information Officer. You bring up the Working Capital Fund, and let's go down that path, because one of the big success stories I'd heard about labor, and this is why I've been wanting to talk to you for so long, is labor was able to save something to the effect of $70 million and then apply that to IT modernization. Now, not only is that a, a big, big chunk of money, but I'm not sure I've ever heard an agency ever kind of come out and say, not only could we find the money and save money, but we could reuse it. A lot of times it's, well, that got eaten up by this, or that got sent back to the Treasury for that. So walk me through, was it $70 million? Let's start there. That $70 million is is across a lot of things. And it's, it's actually probably a, a, a growing number that is even beyond uh, $70 million. But it's not only come only out of IT, right? And it, it, it sort of goes to, for example, we are, we are constantly consolidating space right now, right? We have several programs to consolidate space and move into. We look at our licensing, consolidating licensing. We've closed 60-plus data centers across the nation, right? Um, and all of those things have uh, allowed us to save money. But I also think that part of the, the credit goes to leadership, right? As in who have given me the freedom to trap even non-IT savings and and sort of deploy them because they realize that this is the, the place to improve effectiveness of programs, right? If we continue to utilize the old technology, it never happens. So one figure that I share usually with people, and that sort of is, is a little bit revealing, is that labor in, in for the last 10 years or so, if you look at our IT dashboard, has spent... Uh, only 10% on building new things. 90% of our money, IT money, has gone into operations and maintenance, which means you have an old car, it breaks down every three miles, but you're spending only on oil changes and tires and not buying a new car, right? The federal average is somewhere at 75, 25. So we've been behind on that. We have given through budget guidance in, on IT, through leadership, through uh, Pat and uh, Brian Slater's efforts, 
guidance consistently to improve our our mix so that we are building more and when i look back at my private sector jason i i always remember we used to spend 35 40% on on building new stuff right because technology is like if you think the dvd was it right they become coasters like in no time so i think that's the approach that we've taken to increase the the build and reduce our onm and as a result in the 2019 and 2020 we are closer to 20% of our money going into building new stuff and these are large ships so like you said it takes a while to shift it but we've already gone from 10 11 12% to closer to 20% so the money that you're able to bring in is i think part of the reason for that is because you, the deputy secretary Pat Pizzella used to sit in your jo- seat over there and used to have your job and he understood <laughs> that the challenges that come in with being the CIO and trying to move the needle maybe walk me through a little bit about that because the top cover piece is something that i think congress has been trying to give CIOs since 1996 mm-hmm. with the clean recon act they tried it again with the e government act sure. we know fatara very well sure. but is that that top cover that with a pat or brian slater gave you that's been the key factor to get labor off the 10% and closer to 20%. Sure. And I imagine your goal is 25 to 30%. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair point, right? So I what I call this is the relationship factor a little bit, right? So when I say relationship, it is the top cover, right? Him, Brian Slater, our assistant secretary for management and administration, the secretary, uh, I mean I I I meet with the secretary often, brief him. we are a part of every budget meeting right so uh, even non it budget formulation does not happen without it in the room without me being in the room so it's it's truly empowering from that perspective right but the second piece of the the relationship mantra here is the lateral coordination between me the cfo the budget office the procurement i talked about a simple leasing program that we came up for laptops I can't do it without reforming working capital fund that requires my CFO our our uh, deputy assistant secretary for budget our chief procurement officer to go hand in hand with me right to get all of these things done so so there is that aspect of things right and the third is the relationship outside this building right so the relationship with OMB the support we get from OMB the support we get from congress going up to the appropriations committee to get them i mean we've been trying for these uh, uh, flexibilities to trap expiring funds for years but this is the first time in in a decade that we actually received uh, that kind of flexibility right so i think it's the top cover the general focus on it and realizing its value across the administration the lateral coordination with all my fellows uh c xos all of that comes into play and last but not the least is the folks who actually make it happen right so the workforce piece is also extremely important for this equation one other thing that i w- i would talk about is we invested a lot in building a relationship with the program and mission areas and i think that is one thing that has been uh critical right because you can build the best Taj Mahal nobody's going to come and see it right unless you have a good relationship with them and i think we we do uh, and we continue to learn their mission area uh, we we go to them fairly often uh, we've created some new processes to have 
what we call as joint business planning with them. So I, I look back to the private sector and I said, well, how, why did we do better, right? Well, we met the CEO and I knew what the CEO's priority for the year is, right? So now if you look in my office here, there are priority goals, whether it's apprenticeship expansion or reducing minor injuries, or it is reducing trench and excavation hazards for OSHA or combat opioid epidemics for uh, our uh, OWCP. I have all of those priorities in front of me. And I meet these mission areas and say, how can I become a part of this solution, right? And I think that's extremely important as well. The key to that is you're not, your priorities on your board over here are not IT. It's not upgrade network. It's not move to enterprise infrastructure solutions mm-hmm. contract. And it's not getting more cloud. It's combat opioid, fix this mission area. Mm-hmm. Did you have to prove to, your, to them that, hey, I'm the CIO and I'm actually here to help? And did that initial laptop win, if you will, was that the biggest, was that the starting point of people going, hmm, maybe I can trust this gun deep guy? We started small. We tried to do Wi-Fi in this building. So we realized that, you know, we have to get some wins and joint wins with these mission areas, right? Not not something that technology did through it at you, right? So we came together and we asked them, what, what, what are these things? Nobody in this whole building I saw move around with laptops. Why? Because they're bricks. If you don't have Wi-Fi in the building. So just changing that behavior and productivity and providing those small solutions initially opened a trust account. Then we started depositing money in that trust account, right? And that's what got this whole thing started, right? And then slowly they they came with in the mission areas. Hey, and that's why I... I remember our, our folks when I used to ask them initially when I came, hey, what do you do? And they would say, I'm a system administrator. I'm a Windows administrator. I'm a network engineer, right? And they are. But at the same time, we try to define how their Windows upgrade helped MSHA save a mining accident, right? And that makes their jobs a lot more fulfilling as well, right? So connecting that connection between the, the IT and mission area has to be across the board. It has to be with the IT workforce. It has to be in my conversations with... uh, It is impossible if I go to a mission area and I start talking about cloud for them to not roll their eyes, right? But if I talk to them and say, hey, there won't be any paper labor certifications. If I go to vets, for example, we are doing this challenge right now where we are trying to use AI to uh, match the... MOS codes for returning veterans. So WETS is the one in Department of Labor who runs the uh, transition assistance program. So those MOS codes, like I'm a helicopter mechanic in the Air Force, and when I come back, what civilian job would be applicable to me? What skill do I have? So we are using AI to 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 bring all of those t- things together, right? That's the kind of solution that they are looking for. Right. Otherwise, if you just go and talk to them about AI, it means nothing. So that's the approach we've been taking. It's always about the mission, and it's always about a solution. So even if I give you a VoIP phone, right, can I actually record your benefits advisor and put it into an analytics engine so that you can improve that service to the end user? That's always the focus. We have to take a break. My guest is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department's Chief Information Officer. Let's go back to something you said earlier in the conversation about the Technology Modernization Fund, specifically the project that you guys received money on. You said you're able to eliminate a big chunk of paper now. One, where are you with that program? And then two, let's take a step back and say, how's that a great example of kind of the future of what labor will look like? First, I would like to say that it's all common plumbing. Right, whether apprenticeship.gov is coming out, whether it's OFLC's for labor certification program, or it is wage and hours uh, enforcement program, we are trying to build it on the same platform. Right, so we are not going to commit the same mistake of creating all of these things in silos. So, having said that, with uh, FLC, where are we? We have implemented the new system, which is called the Foreign Labor Application Gateway. We call it FLAG. And that flag has been used for the last year or so now. Um, And the one by one, all the visa programs are moving on to it, right? Uh, uh, Prevailing wage, H2A, H2B, uh, and H1B. Um, The part of the paper labor certification has been eliminated. So it's all electronic. You can go in. It's a modern uh, application which allows you to, you know, step back and forth. These are pretty cumbersome uh, applications that have to be filled out. And then this labor certification goes to you electronically. And a copy of that is automatically sent to USCIS. So then all you have to do is go to USCIS, print your labor certification, go to USCIS, and apply in their systems. And then you off you go, right? And that is... Because these are people who need people for 90 days, let's say for the crab picking season, or a H2A worker in a, in, a, in a crop season, right? They come in, they do the work for 90 days, 120 days, a very rapid process, right? We have to do the labor certification, they have to go find a worker, go to DHS, get them into the country in the right time, and then they have to go back. So us being electronic and actually shaving a little bit of time in doing all of this is huge for these employers, right? And that's the kind of impact we want to have on every citizen-facing service that we provide. And that's why we we talk about apprenticeship.gov, the, our WETS program, our enforcement programs, all have to be like that. Another thing that we've done in this platform is we are trying to consolidate with login.gov, right? So you don't need 30 different profiles to interact with labor department, right? If I have to report injuries to OSHA versus I have to report how many veterans I hired to vets or I have to apply for a labor certification, why should I need five accounts to deal with labor certification, right? So those are the kind of services. And these things we come to expect from Amazon, from all of the, our private life. Why can't government catch up with that? That's the vision for the Department of Labor. And I think we are on our way. We've spent a lot of time talking about the process over the last two, three, four years. How much different is labor today than it was when you got here? I will tell you that I I get compliments all the time. (laughs) Uh, And I'll say, you know, something as basic. I didn't realize how basic uh, a Wi-Fi is. And that's why when we 
started doing the the uh, marketing campaign we did this maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs and drew wifi below it as you can see over there right it was it was crazy the impact that had on our our employees so i think from, we've we've got a a laptop you get your laptop on the first day of work it's a it's a brand new laptop and, and let me jump in because you mentioned that you're close to it if you're not there yet to you open the box and you can plug and play if it's yep. not there it's very close to yes. that Yes, and we've also created uh, for our coop activities. We have these distribution points that we have created, where there are few laptops, depending on the office size of the office, sitting there, which is continuously being patched. So you walk into the office, you will pull a spare out of that, you assign it to the person, you're good to go, and then Dell will dispatch something directly that you will just unplug and plug it in, right? So we are already there, right? Going forward, we still have some imaging uh, capabilities, but over a period of time, we will uh, cycle out of that as well. Just to go back to that, at one point, you had 10 people, 20 people working on laptops, desktops. Now yes. you have one or... Well, so... so what's the what, what's the difference so I, I I don't remember exactly because they were they were across several contracts or so but I would say that it was a 20 people team and it's probably now I would say five to eight people left uh, and, and those five to eight still have a, a lot of work in terms of inventory management but they've moved up uh, to doing different things right we are managing our inventory better we are making sure that people get the service that they need so they've sort of diversified into a into a more higher level work than simply staring at 20 screens all the time. So, so that's one of good examples of laptop, but walk me through some of the other, how's, it, how's labor different? So how's, how's labor different? I think today, one, you get your basic IT needs fulfilled immediately. They're secure. You're able to log into your systems. And then on the mission side, many of the applications are, have become more modern. They've become cloud-based. They are much better experience for the American citizens and, and employers. I think that's where we are a, a lot different than we were three to four years ago. We've talked a lot about the technology modernization effort. We've talked a lot about the changes that labor is and, and is going through. Let's take a, maybe a half a step back and, and just put on your, your CIO hat for a second. And as you look forward into 2020, what are your top priorities? I mean, IT modernization, yes, but walk me down a level. What are some of the things specific initiatives you're trying to get done in 2020? My one very big focus is on building the workforce, the IT workforce for tomorrow. So since we are doing the shared services and all of the 22 tens from across the department are coming into the OCIO, right, I want to build a a workforce that can actually support these cloud-based technologies, artificial intelligence, 5G, uh, RPA, all of these things, we, if we do not change the way we think in the IT community, we will not be able to uh, support that, that growth. So one big focus area for me is building the workforce for tomorrow in the IT space. The other big p- focus is to utilize some of these uh, uh, newer technologies like I talked about AI, RPA, uh, 5G, into our new initiatives. So, for example, we, I just told you about the building consolidation even in the regions that we are doing. So now we want to do a pilot where we will cut the cord and use 5G and Wi-Fi only. Why do I need to? And that's huge amount of cabling costs, right? Every time I have to do a Cat5 cabling in the entire building, and then I have a sunk cost 
that I'm, I feel I'm stuck in that building, right? So we want to go to a complete 5G uh, Wi-Fi kind of uh, environment. So that's an uh, example of an ongoing initiative where we will inject the new technology rather than the other way around. I, am, I have an, a, a nail and I'm looking for uh, you know, the, the, where, where, where to put it. Have you picked a place yet to test this or is that part of what's going to happen in 2020? So we've, we have narrowed uh, uh, between San Francisco and D.C. would be our first pilot. I did not expect this, but a lot of other metropolitan cities are, are, are lining up, actually. So it's the other way around. I'm not trying to – I have to slow it down a little bit to, to make sure that the technology works before we start scaling it up. Do you get a sense, well, especially 5G, because I'm not sure it exists yet in many ways. In D.C. Very, it very is. small pockets. In D.C.? Yeah, so our building is in a 5G zone. Oh, okay. So we checked with uh, our, our vendors, and we, that's why we, we are thinking of doing it. Yeah. All right. The pilots you expect to kick off in 2020, how long will they run for? Is there a money cost? And, and do you have any estimate yet on savings if you can get rid of all the, the, the hard wires? So all the numbers are being worked. So I think we are building the business case. Uh, and that's another thing that, uh, you know, it's, it's a mindset that I brought from the private sector that we have to build a, build a, a business case before we start talking about implementing anything. So we will take one or two locations and look at the cost of RJ45 recabling on one side versus what uh, uh, the 5G costs would be because there would be costs on that too because we are on VoIP phones now, right? So we'll need adapters to for them to work with c- complete 5G uh, and things of that nature. And then we have to, to validate the redundancy that we have and the service, right? Uh, because upload, download, all of those things have to be tested. So on one side, we're building the business case, and on the other side, we have to prove the efficacy of the solution as well. And I think that's key, because if you're going to, you know, only connections over 5G and Wi-Fi, the redundancy piece, the telephones, you've, there's certain things you go, oh, I forgot that that requires a hard wire. Even, even your laptop, you may have a cable that plugs in to get to the network, and, and that's more secure than maybe you say, well, there's always concern over Wi-Fi or 5G to get into a network. You may have that. So right. There are ways to do it securely, and we are looking at all of those things. Yeah, We have to take a break. My guest is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gundeep Aluwalia, the Labor Department's Chief Information Officer. The workforce piece always fascinating. Whenever I talk to CIOs, that invariably comes up. What steps are you taking to either upskill, reskill, rehire, train people, or hire new people? Walk me through some of those thoughts. As we are doing the shared services, what we have done is we have done a complete inventory of our skill sets across the department, right? So we've sent out surveys and people have responded as to what they do on a daily basis and we've gone ground up on on, on uh, rediscovering the skills across the department, right? So once we've, since we have the inventory now and we know what the future looks like, uh, we are building a plan from how to get, get from here to there, right? 
And then we are baking this into our initiatives, right? For example, our cloud initiative, there is a large part of training that happens. So all our traditional data center folks are engaging in that training. We've built a training plan uh, around it. But part of it is hiring from outside the government, right? So we've created this mix of where we must hire a, a X percentage from outside the government who come in and sort of question what we have been doing. Otherwise, what happens is we get we, we, we get complacent and we, we, we sort of bottle ourselves into, into one place. The same thing needs to happen on the vendor landscape. So we've, we've done that as well. We've, we've decided as to a project has a beginning and an end. Therefore, we will try and get the skill sets that are required for each project and make sure that when we begin a project, the old one is, is closed out, right? So there are processes we are putting uh, in place. We've sent people to the CIO SES CDP, uh, the, the candidate development program. We utilize the partnership of public service programs. Uh, we utilize the, the, the private college infrastructure in the area, which is great. We invest $2,000 per person every year. It, that's non-negotiable regarding of, regardless of how much money we have. We put that into a, a person. And we, we've not said no in my three years to any training, right? So that's the kind of focus that we have on our workforce because we are only as strong as our people. Is there a good mix today of contractors to feds? You mentioned you want to hire more. Are you looking to change the ratio? I have always struggled uh, with, with the what is the right ratio, Right. And I, I think that we have to increase the number of feds a little bit. Uh, in my mind, maybe one is to, especially the, given the modernization load we have, and there are these temporary projects where you have to bring in people. I think one is to two, one is to three is, a, is a, an okay ratio. Uh, and we, we are in that ballpark right now. But I do think that we need to increase our federal staff with the requisite uh, skills in modern technologies and modern ways of delivery, right? For example, agile and things like that. So that's where my focus is to change that f- uh, uh, ratio a little bit, but also get the right skill sets. First of all, I think it's impressive that you can have $2,000 per person per year mm-hmm. set aside for training. I'm not sure I've heard that from any other CIOs. First of all, I guess any, any trouble spending that money? So surprisingly, yes. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I realize that, and, and that's, in my mind, a symptom of being understaffed, right? So should I send this person to training or, or should I stop running my operation here, right? Is always the conundrum my managers get into, right? I encourage them a lot, but then that, that is the biggest challenge that we have. Uh, so sometimes we do not end up spending the whole thing. I think that's the understaffing, which is why I asked about the ratio between contractors, because if you had more, if you've been growing your federal staff, then training becomes maybe a little easier. Mm-hmm. But contract staff tend to be leaner. You know, if they firm fixed price contract or if they're paying labor hours, time materials, you don't want them to come in with ten more people because then all of a sudden that labor hour contract becomes a lot more sure. expensive. So, the vendor question, since we're down this path a little bit, what should they know about working with your office? What's important from your perspective that vendors? Should, should, how, how should they approach you? First of all, I have this uh, a little bit of an allergy towards this word contractor. I, I think it has a, a negative connotation in, in my mind uh, for some reason. I want partners, 
Okay, I want people who can who are here, who are who are committed to our our mission, are committed to our success. So that's one piece that is very very key for me. Other than that, uh, I and our, our, our procurement office we participate in a lot of vendor outreach. I have a system within OCIO where once vendors approach us. Uh, we put them into a, a database where we, at on random, we will pick at least two people every other week where the senior staff will engage with them. And that, in my mind, opens uh, our, our minds with ideas. It allows them to tell us newer capable about newer capabilities and then also become a part of, uh, a, a, of that Department of Labor ecosystem, right? So we do this, on a, and it's systemic. It's, it's something that we have forced ourselves to do. Uh, our labor, uh, uh, our senior leadership uh, participates in that, and it's always uh, good to exchange ideas. I think a lot of vendors will be happy to hear that because you definitely are not one of the people that are on the circuit that they see all the time. And a lot of people say, well, is it a closed system? Meaning if, if, if I'm not already working at labor, can I get in? Or if I don't know Gundeep very well, how do I get in? So the fact you're just randomly picking two vendors out of a hat, so to speak, yes. is, is actually a really refreshing in some ways. And that actually gets away to the – you guys held, I think it's May of 2019, a, a, a technology labor – a labor technology day. I almost said technology labor day. Give me a sense. What did you learn from that and how have you used what you learned over the last six months or so? It was two years ago. No, no. It was two years ago? Well, no. So we, we started oh, – the okay. first one was two years okay. ago. The last one was in May of last year. So it all started off – so I would go around the building and everybody I would find in the mission areas, a large number of people were deflated that IT is never going to be fixed in my lifetime, right? So I thought, you know, let's do a, a labor tech day, DOL tech day, where we will show people the art of the possible, how technology can actually change there. And it started off small in the first year, but last year then Suzette, uh, sort of uh, the CIO council got behind it, Suzette got behind it, and that expanded uh, that tech fair here. And I will tell you, whether it's MSHA uh, trying to now use VR uh, for training their mine inspectors in, in a, in, inside a mine, or OSHA trying to use uh, uh, telepresence uh, for an investigator in case there is a bridge collapse in some other area, to OSHA trying flying drones to inspect oil rigs where it's it's really hazardous for uh, and collecting all of that data and analyzing it, to our our dual IT platform, it created this pull in the mission areas at the end user level. So last year, we had uh, 2,500 people go through just this building, and there were eight regional offices that got had satellite events with simulcast happening all over the place. Department of Energy brought their Shelby, 3D-printed Shelby Cobra and parked it in front of... So that created a little bit of a pull on the crowd. The whole idea was to for feds to show fellow feds that IT can change your mission area. And I think we accomplished it. Hopefully, this year, we'll have a bigger event. All right, Gundeep, we could talk longer. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So let me uh, thank my guest. Gundeep Aluwalia is the Labor Department Chief Information Officer. Gundeep, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jason. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.